Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. If you want to hear more than just this highlight from the program, become a Coast Insider, and you can listen to the full episode plus recent shows covering the mysterious death of Kurt Cobain, the possibility that government may soon reveal the truth about UFOs, and the power of witchcraft as told by an actual practicing witch. Start listening now by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back. Our final segment with Bart Cusco as we take your phone calls. He is a professor, Ph.D., of course, and uh, he is uh, the doctor. He is a professor of electrical engineering and law at the uh, University of Southern California and an award-winning pioneer and author in the machine learning fields of artificial intelligence and neural networks. What do you think comes first, Bart? Uh, the bigger breakthroughs in AI or the neural network technology? They're pretty much the same these days, George. Neural networks used to be considered separate from AI. For example, I organized the first IEEE International Conference in 1987. We call that the Big Bang of popular neural networks. And in those days, it was very separate. Neural networks was on the electrical engineering side. AI was on the computer science side. Today, they have fully merged. But there's a problem. What neural networks do, and do real well, is recognize patterns. They work in an effect at the subconscious level. But what they don't do is reason well. And that's the next step in AI, where we can go beyond merely recognizing patterns like your face in an image or looking at a cancer, pad- a cancer pattern in a display on the screen, go to, from that to intelligent reasoning, way beyond what we have today. And it's just the the way the technology is moving is amazing. What is fueling the rapid speed of it? What's happening? At the computer level, it's the rapid increase in chip density. And that is to say the on-off circuits, something called Moore's Law. It was doubling about every 18 months or two years. It slowed down a little bit, but it's still continuing, and some version of it will continue for a long time. So a lot of what you're seeing today is simply very, very old algorithms, especially, for example, neural networks, running on vastly faster computers. Are there other countries that are keeping pace with us in this arena? Oh, absolutely. There are. China, for example, is maybe not at the forefront, but it is certainly trying. It has, I think, a superior educational infrastructure. Russia is another company. How, how about India? I think India is rapid. India is... You know, it still has that British system, and they have this wonderful system called the Indian Institute of Technology, IIT. Uh, we all scramble to hire IIT PhD students, and it's, it trains well, and it has a lot of entrepreneurs. But between those two countries, George, uh, India and China, you've got a third of the planet. And many other countries are far ahead. Europe, for example, Britain. So it's not just a U.S. game anymore. It's worldwide. Part Apple says that it's going to stop uh, revealing individual sales of its iPhones, its iPads, and things like that. Uh, they're, you know, afraid technology is beginning to slow down. How much more can you keep changing things? My oh, gosh. A lot. An awful lot. Really? Absolutely. Uh, again, most of the algorithms that we have uh, don't scale up. This is another problem. They run into what we call the curse of dimensionality. And it's one of, the, one of the few things that works and keeps working is that what I mentioned before the break, Monte Carlo. It doesn't depend upon the number of dimensions. So, for example, in finance, if you have a portfolio with a few stocks and bonds, it's very difficult 
predicting its future. As you add more stocks and bonds to that, the dimensionality increases. It becomes much more difficult. And without a simulation technique like Monte Carlo, enhanced by computers, we would be pretty much at a loss already. So that's going to continue. But the next great leap is when we go from, in effect, the subconscious of AI, where we are now, to the more of the conscious part. And fuzzy logic, by the way, is a very big part of that. Other, other than, of course, um, like my, with my smartphone, I can text, I can call, I can go online, I can look at the Internet, I can email. What more do I want to do? Well, one thing you want to do is have image recognition. So when you go shopping, you come out of the store and say, where did I park my car? You've lost your car, and you want to hold up your smartphone so it can scan the parking lot and recognize your car or similar cars. Now, that's a very tough computational problem. But it is something that's feasible, and it's something we can do right now if the computers go fast. Well, as a matter of fact, there's a company that has that where you can uh, you get a little device from them, which you keep in your uh, cigarette lighter in your car, and then you get the app, and you turn the app on, and it finds your car for you. Right. But beyond that, just the ability to walk through the shopping mall and to recognize different kinds of objects, that's something that's beyond the current capability, but it's coming. And what's in your smartphone, I think, will likely be in some form embedded in your retina. That's where this is headed, I believe. And, and look at the brains behind this stuff. And, you know, beyond Facebook and what they've done for, you know, social networking, whether you like it or not, um, look at the technology of Uber, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, I love our cab drivers. We've got lots of cab drivers who listen to our program. Uh, yet Uber technology has really hurt the cab business. Uh, in, in more ways than one. But, I mean, what amazing technology, Bart. You could literally see the car of the driver coming to pick you up. Correct. Going down the road, making a turn, stopping, and then you see it coming down with its lights on if it's at night, and you go, whoop, there it is, and you look at your phone and it matches it. I mean, my gosh, who came up with that? <laughs> a lot of people did, and that also depends on GPS. But what we really want, one is for decades, are smart cars that you can just sit in the back and... I don't want to do that. Well, you don't want to do it now, George. But in the future, I think, I think you will want to and do it. And I definitely, because of jobs, I don't want to see a driverless truck. I think that's a very long way off. There will still be truck drivers. I think to the first approximation, this will assist them in what they do. They'll drive more efficiently. But to take something like Uber, the smart car, and many other devices, there is an inevitable automation here. And so some jobs will inevitably be lost or reduced, and many, many others will be created. What's next for smart technology? I mean, I didn't think of Uber. It didn't even cross my mind. As a matter of fact, it was a couple years ago, some people in Los Angeles said, hey, we're going to take an Uber home. And I went, what's that? I mean, uh, they knew about it way before I did, and then it started catching on, and it turned out to be huge. They even started advertising on our program a year ago. There's something else, George, that is coming. We have a forerunner, and that's what's called blockchain. And the great example of that is Bitcoin. Okay. came into existence almost exactly 10 years ago with this anonymous genius that goes by the name of Satoshi Nakamoto. We've we got to know who he is so we can give this guy a Nobel Prize in economics. 
who's probably worth $100 billion. He's probably worth more than uh, Jeff Bezos from Amazon. He could well be. But he introduced something, or they introduced something, whoever Satoshi is, that is truly radical in the smart world, the idea of a secure ledger. If I want to sell my house to you or vice versa, you have, and I go through an escrow, we have a trusted third party. Mm-hmm. Blockchain gets rid of that. It's an open ledger, and yet it's cryptographically secure. And that's something secure, severely lacking, and not just implants and devices like that, but really in all of our communications. Can you trust it? Oh, I think you can trust blockchain, because in order to outsmart it, you would need vast computational facilities. And that's one of the genius things about it. But blockchain has many, many of their applications. In fact, it's one of the ways to boost the security of the Internet of Things. But no one saw that coming. And just think about it. We have a currency out there. Actually, there's more than one. But just to take Bitcoin, that has no government behind it. In Nothing. Fact, a lot of governments are quite suspicious of it. It hasn't yep. been perfect. You know, you and I can't walk into a store in general and purchase coffee with Bitcoin. And a lot of criminals use it. I understand that. But... It's amazing, George, that this thing exists at all and persists after 10 years and a lot of attempts to bring it down. That is pretty radical, and it promises something that we're severely lacking with the Internet and social media. Yeah, it is amazing. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.